Hi, I'm Giulia Panozzo, and this is SEO in 2024, Additional Insights. Julia, what's your additional insight to SEO in 2024? So my additional insight is know how your customers think and make decisions to be the brand they'll always come back to. Superb. Okay, well, let's unpack that a little bit. Maybe by initially asking you, why is it important to know what your customers think, how your customers think? I think because the long-term goal for SEO should not only be getting a click, but it is to help the business gain and retain customers. And sometimes we lose focus of that. And even when we're trying only to get that click, we're not actually trying to get to Google. We're trying to reach the customers, the real people behind the screen uh, who are making decisions at every, uh, you know, at every second. They are needing something, who feel something. People's decisions are driven by emotions, needs, and also the ease of information processing. So getting to know what those drivers are is definitely a must if you want to future-proof brand from an SEO perspective and also to have the SEO to help with the overall strategy. But also because search is evolving and will continue to do so. Uh, we see more and more now how Google and search engines have been stress stressing customer centricity. They've been focusing on each uh, update on something different, but it's always related to the user. So the helpful con content, authority, authenticity, trust, so some of these elements mirror directly the way that we as humans make decisions fast, because for example, we also display certain decision-making patterns that are modulated by mental shortcuts or cognitive biases. As humans, we respond to different things. Uh, some of these things can be relevancy uh, or even like valuation of expectancy, for example, something that's unexpected we don't expect to come. Or we respond to familiarity, we respond to social proof. And the same goes with search engines now. They are rewarding authority bias, for example, like or authoritativeness. They're rewarding familiarity with brands. They're rewarding social proof as well. We've seen that the EAT guidelines now have become EEAT to add the experience as a factor for content quality. And Google also added the perspective filter, for example, in the SERP to give more prominence to different views. And in the end, if you, uh, if you focus on the customer, if you know how they decide, if you know what they decide and think, uh, you can eliminate some points of friction uh, that you can actually like give them what they want and reliably respond to their needs. So you will be the brand that they'll come back to. Because if you think about it, we all have websites that we always go back to when we need to shop. And they might not be the very best ones, the ones that offer the most convenient offers, but they are the ones that have proven reliable to us. So we keep going back because it saves us from all of the evaluations that we otherwise need to make in making a decision to purchase something. Wow. Um, there's, there's so much that you've shared already there that I'd like to dive into. You'd like to share even more there as well. I tell you, there was one phrase that jumped out that I thought, wow, that's an incredible phrase. What does that mean? You said modulated by mental shortcuts. What does that actually mean? So the way that we make decisions, we don't even realize, but sometimes it's very implicit. So we make decisions, you know, at every stage of our journey, not only in the search, but like in the real world. So the way that we do those decisions can also be determined by um, some cognitive biases, which are error in judgment that we're not mostly aware of. And they have to do with information processing. For example, there's attentional shifts that are modulated by cognitive biases. There's certain information that's processed easier if it's like more prominent on a certain part of the page, for example, because we respond more to primacy and recency. So this goes for like the page, but also goes for like persuasion, for example. 
there is a number of other biases that like, I think it's 150 that has been uh, isolated. So like I recommend everyone to have a look at that because there's so much to unpack. But it's all of those, you know, shortcuts in decision making that we use because we don't have the cognitive ability or the cognitive uh, resources to deal with all of the potential outcomes of a, of a choice and all of the potential options. So we just use, you know, these shortcuts, shortcuts or these highways to give us a point to move forward. Some of these, for example, are, you know, like familiarity bias. We just go for what we know already, because as I mentioned, we don't need to, to use any more resources to evaluate options there. Authoritative bias is also something we go for. We place more value to something that that comes from an authoritative source. We don't even need to, to check. And sometimes we don't make the needed checks to, to validate that. Uh, some of those are uh, negativity bias, for example, is something that I've, that I've spoken about recently. It's when we place more, more value to something that's negative as compared to something that's positive or neutral. And that goes for like, you know, the SERP, how we interact with the SERP, because we've seen media exploiting this bias. We know that like whenever it's something tragic or negative, we always click on that or like for the most part. But it also has an implication on how uh, we interact with a website. So if a website is doing everything right, but we we come to this frustration point. We remember that frustration point more than all of the good that we've encountered that far. So that's the reason why SEOs now have like the duty to also engage with other teams, with UX teams, for example, with design teams to make the experience flawless. Wow, superb. Uh, I mean, I, so many biases that you don't even naturally think about. You're talking about authority bias, and um, that people gravitate towards websites that they're familiar with as well. Familiarity bias, negativity bias as well, that you're talking about there as well. I'd like to get your opinion um, on maybe enhancing the content or better positioning the content on a web page to perhaps uh, enhance conversion rates, improve conversion rates further as well, because that has a bigger uh, bigger impact on SEO. Obviously, if people decide to stay on a website and um, make a purchase from that website and come back to that website as well. And I guess in order to do that, I, w- I want to share, I guess, a little story about how I tend to structure maybe a sales page on a website and maybe get your feedback on that to see if there's a slightly better way to do it. Uh, because obviously there's different types of pages on a website. You know, there's, there's different types of maybe landing pages for long tail keyword phrases that SEOs will be more familiar with, but ideally you want to keep them on the site, drive them towards your product pages, and hopefully get people to make some sort of decision uh, about your business, about what you do. And it's that stickability on those sorts of pages um, that will make the decision as to whether or not they they, they buy your product or not. So for product-type pages or sales-type pages, I tend to go down the route of following the structure that Simon Sinek recommends um, with what a, a great business does. A great business starts with why they move into to how, and then they finish off with what. Um, so they try and resonate with someone to, to, to begin with by bringing them on that journey. This is what we do as a business. This is, we'll solve your challenges. And it's not necessarily, it's not talking about their product at all. It's talking about the emotion to begin with, and then moving on to how the business or how the product actually delivers on that before explaining what the product offers. Is that a way that you would agree with in terms of structuring a web page? And um, if not, why? And how, what would you recommend? 
Absolutely. And I think you brought up two points that are very important. You talked about uh, feeling relatable. And that's super important, like relating to the pain points of the customers and wanting to solve those. And the other thing that you mentioned is that you place it first. We tend to place more value to um, the first information we see and the last one we see. But in particular, primacy effect is the one that we respond most to. And as you mentioned, like placing that first, knowing that the brand already relates to me from the first, from the get go, they're not, you know, trying to sell straight away. They create that emotional experience first. That's something that we connect to and that we place more value to as compared to the rest of the experience. So I think it's a great point uh, and a great strategy. You also talked about emotions and I always say that people make decisions emotionally and then they tend to justify them rationally. We don't realize that because we always want to think that, you know, like our decisions are completely rational, but they're not really. If you think about it, a lot of the times we're responding first with a gut feeling towards a brand or towards the way that they respond to my need. And then we justify like, is it convenient for me? Does their delivery date match my, uh, my needed delivery date and so on? Um, so I think it's a great strategy, to be honest. How do we know what customers really think about our web page or our business? I mean, is there some kind of video recording that you can make or, or, or panel discussion that you have with um, a select group of potential customers to, to determine that? So I think there's um, different ways that you can get that information. So if we want to stay in the SEO domain strictly and you only have access to SEO tools, then you can just have a look at the branded queries and the ones especially where you have lower CTRs. Because a lot of the times you will find uh, questions or informations that are not being answered to. And these are information that we all as brands have very available because it's part of our business model, but we might not make visible on site and might not be very discoverable. Some of these, as I mentioned, might be the delivery dates, return policy for uh, e-commerce or payment options. And these are all of the sort of triggers that can stop a journey at the checkout level, which is like when people are already invested in us, but they're just not finding the right information. So they might think we're not reliable because we don't offer clarity. We don't offer transparency on that um, sort of topics. And the other thing that I would recommend is try to play with heat maps as well. Because if you place so much work on a page, you want your content to be discovered. And there's so many patterns of attention as well that now, especially with, you know, the way we consume content now, our attention spans have become much shorter. So we tend to, uh, to display some patterns of attention that might not necessarily match the ones that we had five years ago. So try to play with heat maps. See how your pages actually get consumed. Is the information, the important information on the page, do they even get to that? your users. I think there's uh, Microsoft Clarity should be free and that's quite easy to use as well. Uh, otherwise, Oddjar as well. I know it's a good tool. And if you don't have availability to use those tools on your own, uh, but you have a UX team, I think get in the same room, watch them do the testing or at the very minimum, listen to the results of those testings. Because at the end of the day, you will find that prospective customers or existing customers will have the same frustrations. And those also inform the way that you can make that information or some of the other things that they're asking more available from the very early stages of the journey. I mean, ultimately, though, SEO success is about increasing the number of new visitors to a, a website and improving your rankings on Google. So can having happier 
customers, having happier people, more satisfied people on your website actually lead to having a positive measurable impact on your rankings? So there's always a debate on that, isn't it? Uh, because we've always debated whether uh, behavioral signals are a ranking signal at all. Historically, no, but now it's like, according to most recent news, we're like, mm, maybe they were actually. I think in general, like what we aim as SEOs is not only that traffic that comes from the first interaction with our channel, but it's also like retaining the customers. So uh, a happy customer is a customer that will repeat. And even if they're doing another search, but they have done, for example, say that they're looking for shoes on our website, they land on our website, do the purchase, are happy with all of our products, our delivery, et cetera, fine. Then they're looking for a handbag next time. They come across our website. They had a nice experience with our website. So even if we're not like ranking first, but might be still, you know, within the first few results, they probably will click on us because they had a nice experience with us. They don't even, as I mentioned, like they don't need to, to evaluate anything else. So I'm not sure, I cannot really tell if it has a direct effect on rankings because nobody knows, to be honest. But I would argue that SEO now is not about rankings anymore, especially with the way the search is now uh, going. We don't even know with search gen gen generative experience what rankings will mean or what CTRs and clicks uh, will lead to because it's also up in the air. So the way that we can future-proof our brand is actually by making customers happy because if they come across us, then they'll, they'll probably purchase with us. And I guess if you're building happy customers, then what you're trying to encourage is an increased number of branded searches in the future. So if, you, if you're in your example, someone purchases a pair of shoes and then they like the experience, perhaps they'll say brand name handbags in the future and, and look for your website uh, to see if they sell, you, you, you sell handbags as well. So that, that's having a positive impact in your SEO. Yeah, absolutely. And I think even when we look at social signals, for example, now there's so much value in those because the relation between brands and customers now, it's not like um, brands and then customer at the bottom. It's more bilateral than ever because now brands need to offer a nice journey, uh, you know, like need to respond to the customer's needs, but customers need to validate the experience so that others can do the same. Now we rely a lot on uh, social proof. If you think about it, how many times we, you know, we come ac across a brand, evaluate the options, see that it's like, you know, convenient for us, but are like, okay, but is this legit? Let me find something like, let me find some UGC that tells me that, you know, from a group of similar people that have done the same purchase that can validate the experience. I think it's, it's one of the important things that now SEO should also focus on, look at the social signals, look at what comes you know, type your brand and then Reddit, uh, and you will find a lot of the other things that you can make more available on your website as well. You shared what SEO should be doing in 2024. Now let's talk about what SEO shouldn't be doing. So what's something that's seductive in terms of time, but ultimately counterproductive? What's something that SEO shouldn't be doing in 2024? I think, to be honest, focus solely on rankings or upper funnel metrics, because right now SEO is changing so much and so fast we've seen like what was it three updates in the span of a month so right now it's not even like about clinging to the rankings right it's about getting dirty with the other teams uh you can't work in silos i know that everyone wants to you know bring water to their 
to their mail, but your metrics, your, you know, what used to be your KPIs are, might not be the more aligned to the business. So now we're a piece of, a, of the puzzle. And I think we should stop working in silos and focusing on rankings only, because now it's so much more about the rest of the journey as well. Julia Panozzo is neuromarketing consultant at Neuroscientive, and you can find her over at neuroscientive.com. Julia, thanks so much for adding your additional insight to SEO in 2024. Thank you so much for having me. I've been your host, David Bain. You've been listening to an episode of SEO in 2024 Additional Insights, a majestic series that complements the original SEO in 2024 podcast, video series, and book. Find out more at seoin2024.com. Oh,